This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. She's a historian, a dancer, a cocktail maker, and the other person who lives in this home. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being a guest again here on the big main show of Obsessed Podcast. My pleasure. Yeah, I mean, it all works out because you live here. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. It works. It's very handy. I can make it to uh, the microphones without any traffic usually. Yeah. At least if I'm already home. And I don't have to send you an email saying the buzzer doesn't work, so I'll meet you in the lobby. (laughs) Unlike most guests. I I mean, mean, you could. could. Yeah. You could go through the ritual if we wanted. Yeah. Anyway, yes, we both live here. We've established that. <laughs> and it is great to be doing uh, more of these main show episodes with you. You and I obviously do the uh, bonus episodes for patrons every month together. And it's fun for me. I love having all of the different guests, but it's also fun to do these episodes with you when I discover there's something that we both really have our minds on. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking about topics that I'd like to cover on Obsessed in general and thinking about things that I'm obsessed with that we haven't really talked about, I had this sort of just epiphany, as you know, because you were there when it happened. (laughs) I was. Where I just said, books. Because I'm so used to talking about things on Obsessed that are a little bit more micro-focused, like somebody's favorite movie or their favorite sports team. And sometimes we do larger uh, ideas. But I realize how much that I'm obsessed with books, not just the stories, but also like the physical items. Yeah. And what all do books mean to us culturally and personally, and uh, I, th- I think that got kicked off my epiphany of yelling books uh, because of you and I both wanting to read more books this year and talking about it. Mm-hmm. So how are you? I just want to start by by that. Yeah. Did you? Are you going to make a list this year? Are you going to keep track of the books you read? Oh, I've already started my you've, list. You started your book list. Okay, <laughs> yep, I started yep. mine. Uh, yeah. I've so far read one book this year. Me too. Yay. Yeah, I'm in the middle of like four other books, but completed. And I actually started it in 2018. So I, Okay, um, but yeah. you completed it. It did. So you just write it. You didn't write like I read the back half of this book in 2019. You just said I, I read this book. So, yes. Mission accomplished, 2019 books. Yes, this is, it's actually something that has changed, I realized, because I've been doing this for a few years where I keep track of the books that I read, partially because I don't trust my brain. And also, it's just kind of nice to look at and go like, oh, yeah, I read that that year. Uh, and the first or second year um, that I was doing this, that really kind of trying to actively make sure I listed every book, I would mention which books I started. Okay. And then I thought, well, I feel like I really want to do it when I complete it. So for the most part, I do it, I list them when I complete them. Um, I was right in the middle of two books that I was very much in, enjoying uh, at the end of 2018. So I put a little like addendum at the end of my list saying, <laughs> currently in progress to be finished in 2019. To be book continued. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, how do you do it? How do I do it? Mm-hmm. Well, this is my first year coming back to it. I did it for, I want to think, like four to six years when I was in high school and early college. It was just a loose leaf piece of paper taped to my wall. Yeah. Uh, and then as I got older, lots of things intervened in books And like right now, social media has been intervening in books a lot. And I want to make a point to read more. So I got a loose leaf piece of paper Mm -hmm. uh, that I may or may not tape to the wall. Have I I missed it? (laughs) It's invisible. Is there a secret wall I don't know about? (laughs) Yes, it's hidden behind a bookshelf. It creaks open and then there's just a list of books. That would be fantastic. I would be a monster, a piece of human feces if uh, we had an opening bookshelf that had a little secret area in our home and I didn't tell you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so far I have read the Star Wars book that came out several years ago, Dark Disciple by Christy Golden, and I enjoyed it very, very much. And honestly, having the list and going, I'm going to start this, and then I'm going to be focused on it, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to finish it so I can write it on the list is really helping a lot. So I have yeah. high hopes for the list that I'll do a minimum, a minimum, which sounds, this sounds very low, but a minimum of one a month, one book a month, and I'm going to yeah. shoot for two. I'm, I'm going to say it's not that low. Uh, because uh, you and I have talked about this, but I will say it again because now we have microphones in front of us. <laughs> I had this goal last year. <laughs> uh, now I want to do a new podcast with you just called Now We Have Microphones in Front of Us. And then we can just be like, did you run the dishwasher? Uh, did you put the clean dishes away? And we can just talk about all of our normal marriage stuff. <laughs> what do we want to have for dinner? Now we have microphones. Yeah. <laughs> Burritos? So I uh, last year, because I started the list partially to remember and also partially to um, maybe be a little bit more intentional about what I was reading and, oh, those books I keep meaning to get to them, make sure I got to them. And last year I was like, okay, I'm going to read two books a month. And uh, I kind of knew it wasn't going to be a realistic goal. Yeah. And I didn't come anywhere close to it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to be, I am I admire your goal is my point here. And okay. good for you for one book a month. Absolutely. Well, one to two books a month. As we're recording this, we have like four days uh, left in January, so I got to find a very slim book of poetry real quick, <laughs> <laughs> or else find a day that's just like I'm power reading, which maybe I will, maybe yeah, I will. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So in just a moment, I want to dive back into our history of books, mm-hmm. but I also want to start with your book process because we are going to talk about it. But books mean lots of different things now because of the delivery device. Yeah, you have a system. You know, <laughs> let me see if I get this right: a physical book, mm-hmm. an audio book. And a book on a digital device? And you like um, almost? all go on? A th- okay. So here's kind of what I fell into last year. And I it comes and goes. It's not all the time. But for the most part, I try to have a physical, um, usually a physical fiction book and a physical nonfiction book. Okay. And then an electronic uh, fiction book and nonfiction. And, you, you know, other genres that are you know like i guess i don't read a lot of poetry i should read more poetry but um but usually that's how i try to do it and so two physical books two physical one books fictional and, one non-fiction mm-hmm. and uh, one on an electronic device and two on an electronic two device. electronic device yeah. also one fictional and one non-fiction yeah okay which is part of why i don't finish two a month because i keep checking out these like giant non-fiction books because you're constantly reading four books yeah, but yeah. there's, <laughs> and I'll be honest, sometimes there's a lot more. Like the other day, I had four books checked out on my tablet, um, and I, I finished three of them. I mean, I guess if you can, one of them was a book of, you know, like seven minutes of yoga, seven days a week, or something like that. But I read all the way through it. I thought about <laughs> it. I did my yoga each day. It was great. Okay, perfect. That's um, a book. Yeah. Part of it, if you want, kind sure. of my reason for it is uh, I, when I'm reading, especially at, at night or if it's like, I just want a chunk of time to read. I, I, I really like physical books. I really like turning the paper and I don't like looking at screens right before I go to bed. Yeah. So I need to have a physical book at that point. But I also uh, take the bus a lot and I need a book to read on the bus. So I have to have a digital book. And okay. every once in a while, it's the same. I'll have the same book going both places, but it just has worked well to have two separate books that way. And since I like that process, I decided why not? I'll have a fiction and a nonfiction in each um, 
uh, type of media. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense that you it is kind of necessary for the life that you live to have mm-hmm. books in lots of different ways. I wanted to share that you read a lot on digital devices. Yeah. Uh, and I know that a lot of people just absorb audiobooks because, again, that's what works for their life in transit or whatever, because we're going to talk a lot about physical books. Mm-hmm. And I want people who are like, ooh, books. Uh, do yeah. not feel left out. Yeah. And we'll talk more about the different media. But for now, let's dive back into our youth before you could read, uh, you know, War and Peace on a tiny phone <laughs> and talk about uh, our beginning yes. uh, in our relationship back with books. Back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. So as a child, how much did you read? How much were physical books like a, a part of your life? They were uh, a huge part of my life. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember... Um, not reading and like not having books around. I had an older brother. So like I was, you know, my parents were very into reading to us. And so that was always part of it. And, you know, I've a lot of my earliest memories, um, maybe not like super earliest, like three years old, but kind of making decisions for myself involved being at the library and thinking about books. Okay. <laughs> making <laughs> decisions books. for yourself? Do you yeah. Think? Yeah. I, in fact, I mean, one year, uh, you know, when I was still, you know, telling Santa Claus what I wanted for Christmas, what I wanted for Christmas were a bunch of books. Did you just say that? Dear Santa, I would like a bunch of books. Were you specific about it? No. Okay. When you said making decisions, you mean making decisions about which books you got or making Mm -hmm. decisions based on what you were reading in books? Uh, No, just um, being at the library and looking at the books and wanting to read these books or rereading The Secret Garden for the 15th time or whatever. Okay, so you have an older brother Mm -hmm. and your parents are older than you because that's how it works. (laughs) That's how time works. So you had a lot of people who were probably ushering you into the world of books. Was it a celebratory moment when you were like, hey, thanks everyone for reading for me, but now I am of age and I shall choose my books? Uh, honestly, it's a great question, and I don't remember making that choice. Okay. Um, I think that, like, my parents would sometimes still read to us as kind of a fun, there would be, like, a fun book that we would read that was kind of a separate thing. It wasn't about you are not capable of reading books. Oh, it was just like a family time. Yeah. Let's celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like, let's spend time together kind of thing. Okay. Weird. And this was in (laughs) the late 20th century. (laughs) <laughs> not, it was there were other options and things times. to do but you know how like a lot of um parents i think when their kids are little will read to their kids and that's something that i think some families continue on and it's just a nice shared moment uh between parent or guardian and a child okay and i mean i would i mean i don't remember how old i was i wasn't like i was 18 and <laughs> I have a feeling, and I mean this is a compliment to your parents, that there's a possibility that we would go visit their home and they would say, would you like to all read together? Oh, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> just who your parents are. Yes, they would. <laughs> and I would also offer to read to everybody. So it goes both ways. Now I can read to them. That's awesome. Do you remember your first book or books, either ones that you really remember being read to you uh, or ones that you remember picking out kind of being an accomplishment of, ooh, I read this? Um, no, not exactly. One of my favorite books when I was really little was The Golden Book, I Think I Can. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Is that the one with the train? The train. Okay. I thought, does the train say, I think I can? I think I can. I think I can. Oh, right. Okay. In my mind, the train has become more positive of, (laughs) yes, I can. (laughs) I don't know what I thought. I think I can just sounded a little negative. But anyway. Yeah, uh, I no. don't want to critique that the train. No, the, the train the, was doing the some good The train thinking. was, uh, you know, 
calling on its buddies for some self-esteem help and yeah. teamwork and friendship and the train made it over the mountain that's all yeah that's good yeah. The train did the right thing. Yeah. I don't know why I was getting judgy about the train. <laughs> In my mind, it was more strong than I think I can. I, I honestly don't remember now. This is horrible. What he's, it says once it gets over the hill of, I I thought I could. I knew I could. I don't remember what the how it changes because it changes to like, I did it, but it isn't I did it. Let's it stays add this. Right. Because it's the train, you know, the train wheels. Sorry. <laughs> in case... I am people... very tired, but I do know how trains work. In case the people listening don't know, I'm also making train uh, uh, wheel gestures, gestures with my hands. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I will add this book to my list and I'll knock one out in late January. So I remember. I think there I just go. heard, I think I can with a question mark. It was like, I remember the train more positive than I think I can. Oh, yeah. Anyway. I think I can. So... I think I can. So that was the a, a young reader's book. Is there a, oh, this is a book for older kids or more of like an actual novel that you remember mm. reading? Uh, I remember just kind of in general, the school librarian saying, Sarah, you can move over to the chapter book section now. Ooh. And that was like, that was a moment because it was kind of like you were given permission to go over to the other side of the library. Yeah. Uh, I do not remember specifically what books I read there. Um, but like, I, I mean, when I said read The Secret Garden for like the 15th time, I'm not joking. I used okay. to, I, my mom used to have meetings at the library or something. Okay. And so I would, I just, I probably didn't spend that much time at the library, but I feel like I did. So I would often like look around a little bit once I'd figured out what books I wanted to check out. There was a specific copy of The Secret Garden that if it was there, I would just sit in one of the chairs and start reading it until the other people in my family were done with their you know, activities library of the library. Okay. So I would just like reread the beginning of it over and over and over again. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I want to go back to this moment of when the librarian said, you shall pass, uh, instead of you shall not pass. <laughs> um, what happened? Did you take a reading test? Was this at school? Was it based on your oh, grades? It was the school, the school librarian. And I think the that, um, so this is horrible. I remember so many of the librarians that I had lots of interactions with, and I'm not, I'm blanking on who this librarian was. So uh, they, because I don't remember who they okay. were, um, I think they just said, Sarah, you should be reading, basically, you should be reading more difficult books. Go over here into the chapter book section where there aren't as many pictures. Okay. Did they just see you reading pictures and thought this is the, a waste of a, a brilliant mind? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I, I think by that point, I was already reading chapter books. I was already reading, you know, like the boxcar children books and things like that. Okay. But it was, um, this is a totally unrelated memory probably that to me is related is that other people in my class really wanted to read black beauty okay and i did not go through the for the horse phase i had zero interest <laughs> in black beauty but that was like what the book that a lot of people i think maybe started with or oh, tried that to get was to like or something. the goal yeah can, can you get to the awesome horse book <laughs> it's just like where are the like mysteries or um you know other things that i could read instead yeah like i don't want to read about horses so <laughs> sorry fair enough fair anyway. enough uh and i meant some of my questions are are seeing if you had a similar experience to me because some of this is sort of, for me, lost to the mists of time. And it's those impressions that you have that, like, I'm 99% sure that is a memory, but maybe, but I don't know exactly how constructed it is. 
Yeah. At this so point what's your for incident? What's your experience? I remember really liking to read um, and having a similar uh, experience. Uh, where my parents, my mom in particular, was a reader, and then have uh, my older brother, who was three mm-hmm. years older, and was always like offering to like, "Hey, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this." Um, and I remember the first time I like read something was I think he just wanted me to read things so he could talk to other people about it, and it was a I think in the back of like an electric company magazine, it was a little cartoon of Spider Man and Mister Fantastic exchanging dumb jokes uh-huh. so that was like the first thing i remember reading but then i had oh, wow. books like i had the star wars storybook with the pictures and i would look at that constantly and i got it stuck in my head that like reading was like a magical power that you had to like somehow be taught or access and um i remember it being built up as like it's gonna you know someday you will it was like in my mind i think the same as like learning a martial art of like I will be taken somewhere mystical and I will study and I will <laughs> learn the art. And then I think oh, it just sort of like, there was just one day where I just like was looking at the paper and it's like, I know these words. It was oh, like, wow. yeah. am I reading? Is that how it works? And then I think I was just kind of off to the races from there. And I remember getting to uh, school and teachers being like, you can't read that. And I was like, yeah, I can. Uh, mm-hmm. And that would be a nice moment. Nice. But in particular, I remember a book that was supposed to be for higher grades that I read, I think, in first or second grade. I don't remember. And it was about a raccoon. Uh-huh. And I just tried to Google before we recorded a book about raccoon. And most of them are about Rocket Raccoon from <laughs> Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. I can't find this raccoon yeah. book. So I don't know if I made it up. But it, I want to remember, think that it was like a fictionalized account of some sort of, I think, mother raccoon who went on a weird adventure and had to like protect her young or get back to her young or something like that. I had I, I don't know what it was, but for years and years and years, I've just assumed like, oh yeah, that's that's probably some famous book that everybody read. I it'll just take me one second to Google it. Yeah. And now I'm kind of shocked that I can't Google it. Yeah. So, and I remember thinking the book's fine. The important part is I'm reading, and I was like more excited to get on to read other things. Yeah. Oh, how fun! So that was the first longer book that you really that was the first that was like yeah it's not it's not a picture book it's not stories it's a novel yeah about raccoons raccoons. a very important raccoon novel wow yeah wow yeah uh and then i think then books were just always around and i was always wanting to read more and i've I've talked about those universal horror books the the Mm -hmm. orange and black with the you know they were kind of picture books but they had a lot of text and they told you the whole story and we would check those out at the library all the time and i always loved going to the library and just kind of wanted to live there. So I think that just connection with with books was really strong with me uh, right away. So I wanted to talk about that, about the relationship with books in terms of building your identity. So if you're a kid like you or I, Mm -hmm. where books were kind of around all the time, Mm -hmm. really happy to be able to be reading and going to libraries and bookstores how do you think it helped form your identity that you were a book person? Did you did you have any sense that you were more into books than other people? Did it make you feel knowledgeable? Did it make you feel like a nerd or an outcast? Um, I don't. I was not self aware enough <laughs> <laughs> to have any sense other than that these books offered marvelous 
escapes or different views or I could learn things because I also loved the I mean I well, hadn't even thought about this but so I talk about having a nonfiction book that I'm reading at all times so there used to be this series called the Childcraft series okay um and it was like um <laughs> it was like uh it was like Wikipedia for kids it was like the Encyclopedia Britannica but it was about specific things and they had articles in them or I mean, or the like childcraft. Childcraft. It, it childcraft. was all one word, like witchcraft, but with children. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is there anything wrong with this? No. Was it? But it was no. it a guide on how to do child things? No. There was. It was like um, I think there were maybe ten to fifteen books, and they were the size and shape of kind of skinny encyclopedias. And one would be all about people and places. Okay. And so it would have chapters on, you know, it was it was very, you know, U.S. focused. So it would have chapters on like the American presidents. And there was another section on inventors. And I remember loving that one and learning about, oh, how the sewing machine was invented and all of these other things. Okay. Uh, and I don't even remember now why I got into that topic. But that those were a big hit. And we had us we had a set in our house. <laughs> and both my brother and I like devoured the Childcraft series. Some were more interested than others. But yeah. I really liked the inventors one. <laughs> okay, uh, a what harsh but fair review. <laughs> How they informed your uh, sense of identity, and again, oh. I understand you were very young <laughs> and not entirely self-aware. But that makes sense that you, to this day, with your two different nonfiction books going <laughs> yep. at a time, you you really do like books as a source of knowledge. And I remember. Yeah liking that idea and thinking that idea was cool and when i saw that idea represented in media you know if i was watching you know any random story where people like books they're good because knowledge i'd be like yes now i'm gonna go read my star wars or doctor who book or oh i mean you know or other fantasy book yeah yeah and don't get me wrong i was also always reading you know the boxcar children or nancy drew or anne of green gables or whatever other like I was always doing what I am doing now, apparently, because I because I loved disappearing into the world of books. I think that I just always had friends who also really liked books. Yeah. And so even if the general sense of maybe my compatriots was that I was more into books, it it never really mattered that much to me because my friends were also into books. Yeah. And so we would like to read and i i did other things too it isn't like i only walked around and read um <laughs> hello it's so. sarah i'm in third grade and i'm all about books right. step aside hello yeah i'm the book lady um yeah yeah okay i think i was i, I don't know self-aware i think i was aware of a because of that very specific relationship with my older brother where he wanted me to read mm-hmm. and I thought it was a magical power and then I developed it. And it is a magical power and that is fantastic that that yeah. is how you viewed it. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I love that. Good. I Well, anything that one can believe about themselves is a magical power to just uh, have a positive attitude. Like, I, the, I think I can try. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> one should. Um, but I think also because my teachers kind of told me you can't read that and then I could it did feel a little like this is a skill i'm Mm -hmm. good at reading um and then just i think everything in in my growing up process made me uh gravitate toward books because the stories i really wanted to see the flights of uh fantasy and science fiction and make-believe that didn't exist as much on television mm-hmm. um you know obviously there's no way to do this podcast without dating myself but you think back to like the early 80s it's still a lot of drab people adults in suits doing 
maybe if they had a computer, it's a large gray box. It was not this explosion of of fantasy. Right. So like for me to get those ideas, it was going into books. Yeah, yeah, So I think absolutely. partially just thinking of it as like, oh, it's a skill that adults are telling me I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And it is the only place I can kind of get this content that I really desire outside of going to the movie theater every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it all, the book thing all got bundled up with being a little bit of an outcast and mm-hmm. a little bit different. Um, and I think it was partially because I wasn't doing the other like stereotypical male things mm-hmm. of like i'm not good at sports but i know the word autumnal and you don't you know that because <laughs> yeah. i read a book or like know all of these ridiculously long words because i saw them in a comic book or davros said them in a doctor who novelization yeah kind of thing so i think that, that they just sort of uh my identity got tied up in the idea of books a lot mm-hmm. um i want to talk to you about your experience of the difference between books and television and movies. Because yeah. I feel like it might be different now, but I feel like at the time when we were youth, that books did offer something that you couldn't truly get in movies and television. Like you could on movies, but you'd have to be going every day in comparison to I can read all of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. what was that experience like for you? What What did you find? Were you aware of finding things in books that you didn't? find on movies or television or am i making too big of a deal out of it um no i think i mean it was that you're making a deal out of your experience (laughs) (laughs) it's the right size deal yeah i think um i think it just because it like you say it was so separate it was such a different world of what books what's in books what's in tv what's in movies and i mean i certainly my family certainly went to movies and we watched tv but it wasn't I think it just never really occurred to me because because I wasn't reading things like, you know, seeing Doctor Who and then reading Doctor Who novelizations. Um, the closest thing to that probably wasn't until I was, what, in middle school, maybe? Yeah. That the um, Canadian Anne of Green Gables came oh, out. Yeah. You know, like, so that's, I mean, I had already had a long history with books where there was no sense other than, you know, like Sesame Street books that I used to read. Um, and then... Sesame Street existed. <laughs> yeah. But I just I just didn't have that overlap for myself. Yeah. Uh, okay, interesting. Because to me, it's just like books, the more I think about it, like movies and television show were the fantasy of, I would so love to see all of these kinds of ideas I like. I'd like to see superheroes and magic mm-hmm. on, on movies and television more often. And even, you know, when I got into Doctor Who, it was on Friday and Saturday. We didn't have a VCR and it was gone into the ether. Yeah. But the books were there. So I feel like, that sort of uh, fantasy that's been illustrated many times of like literally jumping into book, like these worlds I wanted to live in lived inside the books. Yeah, yeah. And here's one version that's kind of like that, which, okay, speaking of fantasy and science fiction, I don't know many other people who read these books. You and I have talked about this, but I'm I'm curious for podcast listeners if other people read these books because they were around, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's actually one of the fiction books I'm rereading right now is The Wonderful Flight to the Mushroom Planet. And so these books, they came out in the 50s. Uh, they're written by Eleanor Cameron. I think there's three or four of them. And it's about this person who is from the mushroom planet, which is in between Earth and the moon and uh and these little these boys who i think are 12 or something build a spaceship and then go with this um 
person, except he's not a person, to the mushroom planet. And okay. I mean, it's, it sounds so like, okay. it's, I mean, it's not all about shrooms. Sounds like okay, it. Okay, it sounds sound uh, like an adult swim show. Yes. <laughs> it does. Um, but it, but it's not all, at least that I remember. That's why I'm rereading it now. But I feel like I read those books over and over, and that was a world that I wanted to disappear into. I wanted to find the magic filter that would allow me at night to see the mushroom planet and then to be able to go to Wales because that's apparently where a lot of the people lived. Had... I want to go to a truly magical place, <laughs> Wales. Because that's where you can actually fly to this other planet. Yeah. And um, and so that's kind of uh, similar, maybe, of like I wanted to dive into that world. And I, to my knowledge, nothing else has ever been done with these like three or four books. Uh, but really? But they're still around today. I still as an adult have checked them out from libraries um i bought a copy of the first one and i'm it's my it's my hard copy fiction that i'm reading right now <laughs> okay did you now bring that, uh uh what was it called how to get to the mushroom planet take me to the mushroom planet the wonderful flight to the mushroom planet the wonderful flight to the mushroom planet mm-hmm. did you bring it to school with you or was that an at home book or was there any sort of delineation i have no idea and for all i know i might have even checked it out from school okay cool um I'm sure so. I mean, certainly sometimes there is delineation, but that's not how I remember them now. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, because one of my strongest book memories is, and by this time it was sixth grade, Mm -hmm. of having a reading time built into school, which I thought was awesome. And, you know, most of the other people just like reading a magazine or like rolling, basically rolling their eyes and pretending to read. And I was so excited to bring my Doctor Who novelizations. And it was that was one of the times that the rubber really hit the road for the stereotypes clashing. And it just so deeply offended the other kids that I had Doctor Who novelizations, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that's a part of uh, really internalizing that idea that uh, books are a part of my identity. I'm like, you're mocking a part of my identity that I want to read. Yeah. Like, I actually want to read. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's cool that you didn't experience that, that you never uh, encountered any mushroom planet judgment. Yeah. I mean, I certainly encountered judgment as I got older for plenty of other <laughs> things, but I don't remember reading being one of them. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's talk a little bit about our relationship with actual physical books. Yeah. We've been talking about them as a source of knowledge and flights of fantasy and mushroom and train locations. <laughs> but how do you feel when you think about being obsessed with the idea of an actual physical book. What do you think about? Oh, wow. Um, in terms of actual books, I just think about how much I, I just really, I just really like them. I, <laughs> I like the, the variety of, you know, whether you've got paperbacks or hardcovers or, you know, even like handmade books. Um, I, I know that this is a thing that we share. I love the look of a library, like a personal library. Yeah. Um, it's it that is a thing that I've always had this push pull relationship with is I love libraries, but I also love books and I love having owning books so that in the middle of the night when I want to read, you know, it's I'm 12 and I want to read that Nancy Drew mystery that I've already read five times for yeah. a sixth time tonight. Uh, <laughs> I can just go over to my little bookshelf and I can take it out and read half of it before I go to sleep. Yeah. Um, so I I do have a. I do really like physical books. Yeah, that that really makes sense because I'm remembering now that I don't think we owned any Hardy Boys novels and things were stupidly uh, separated. The boys were supposed to read Hardy Boys. and mm-hmm. uh, But I don't think we owned them. I think we only got to rent them. So I never had the experience of waking up in the middle of the night and having an encounter <laughs> with a Hardy Boy. <laughs> or Nancy Drew for that matter. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about books, you have some on 
your digital device and yep. you enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. But how much of your obsession is with the physical item? How much of it is just seeing it on the shelf, like literally feeling it, looking at the cover? How, mu- how much of your obsession is that? Um, I, I would say it's almost too related but slightly different obsessions for me. Okay. Because I have my obsession with reading. Um, and I'll include listening to audiobooks and that, but I just don't have the right place to do that very often. So I haven't done that as much. Um, and then, but, but if there's a book that I read, like say there's a book that I check out from the library that I really, really like, I'm going to want a hard copy of it as well. Okay. Because you, why why do you want to own it? Because I, we have been, uh, married for over a decade (laughs) and I have never, uh, I know why you wouldn't want to own it because we're short on space. (laughs) I'm saying, why would you ever not want, uh, uh, I'm I'm losing myself in, in in words. Yeah. What I mean is, I have never seen you get up in the middle of the night and say, "I need to read this." So it's not about access. I don't think. I could be wrong, but I'm I'm probing. As, yeah. As interviewers. Yeah. And no, that's good. Sometimes spouses do. <laughs> uh, I I feel like it is more about owning it. Oh, absolutely. Just to own it. Absolutely. Not, not to have permanent access to it, but just because you want that physical item, in your home. Yes. Yes. And I think honestly, that's a little bit of a difference from for myself now of if I read something and want to be able to, whether it's something I just really enjoyed or it's something I want to be able to come back to whenever I want, I want to own it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So yes, it is very much about, I want to like, for example, uh, one of the One of the books that I started reading in 2018 that I'm still continuing to read right now um, is The Hidden Life of Trees, uh, which many people have. (laughs) It is a huge favorite. And uh, I have... Is that fiction or nonfiction? It is nonfiction. It's about how trees communicate with each other uh, by Peter Wallenberg. That is not quite right, but close. Uh, uh, Anyway, that is one that I... Right now I'm reading digitally, but... um, I was at a bookstore the other day. They happen to be temporarily out of it. So I will be purchasing that one as well. And I've also already given that one to other people. <laughs> you have to, I've had so many conversations about that book. Okay. Um, but that is one that I feel like I want to own this book. I, I like the idea of this book. I like what it says. I want to be able to refer back to it. But also I just plain want to own it full stop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think for me, my obsession with books is... is a huge part of it is the physical item. And mm-hmm. like, obviously there are the space constraints and I have read books on, on phone tablet oh, and, yeah. and it works and I still absorb the story and remember it. But I think there is something about literally the feel of the books mm-hmm. that makes me happy. Uh, one can't judge a book by a cover, uh, but one can actually judge the cover of a book. And there's so many books that are just like the covers are little works of art in all sorts of different ways. Absolutely. And I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I've had so much time in my life where I have always been surrounded by the books that I that I really fell in love with in my teens and early 20s. Yeah. And I have lived with those books physically near me for my entire life. So books have always been present. But as I got older and busier as an adult, I didn't have as much time and I wouldn't necessarily go book shopping. And I think I'm now at that age where like seeing a book Feeling a book feels like this call to a calmer, wiser time. And part of it is illusion, but I think part of it is the truth of the different activity 
of physically opening a book and having your eyes move across it, having your fingers caress the page, moving at the pace that you want to move at, going back and forth is, you know, so different than sort of the frenzied state of all of our sort of uh, modern television and movies and internet and social media that a book is such a like um, blissful, solitary, almost meditative while still being like deeply engaged with something. And I, I am getting that, I'm feeling all of that Yeah. when I touch a book. And it's only when I mm. stop to think about it that I can start to put it into all of these words. Mm-hmm. But especially in the last couple of years, I've just like, anytime like I touch a book and feel the texture of the cover, mm-hmm. it's just like, ah, books. <laughs> There's like a, an, an extra bit of, you know, peace that has opened yeah. inside me. Yeah. Well, and especially, um, I mean, for all of us, but I know especially for you as somebody who does watch a lot of media, which, as you said, comes at you at the, um, you know, the the speed is prescribed. You can't, I mean, you can pause it, but you can be like, oh, I just want it to, that moment to take a little bit longer as I just really enjoy how they've written it out. Yeah. Um, and then because you do spend so much time on your computer and on social media, you're always in that world where things are coming at you on digital devices. Yeah. And so touching paper is like, oh, I can breathe and I can put these other things down for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And just be here. I can be here present in the world of the book. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about smelling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have taken to smelling books much more often, <laughs> like when I'm stressed or when I'm like, I, I have my large pile uh, by on the bedside table, which I've had on and off for my entire life, the yeah. books I'm going to read next, mm-hmm. which I think is currently 13 books high <laughs> of the book I'm going to read next. Yep. But sometimes, like when I'm ready to start reading, I'll just like open it up and just smell the pages. Do you smell your books? I, I do. I don't know that I always do. Um, but certainly, <laughs> like every time I open a book, I don't smell it. <laughs> okay. Um, but some books I do, and some books have certain smells. Um, and I also like to, I'll say lightly collect, uh, because it's not, it, it's a dangerous habit. And it's one that I'm very much tried to not let myself get into, but to collect older books, like okay. classic and especially like the short, they're bound usually in cloth or leather or something. And they have a very specific smell. Oh yeah. Like you mean like actual antique books? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That you have yeah. a, a collection of. Yeah. Like what's, I feel like you have a couple that are specifically important to you. Don't you have like one Robert Louis Stevenson? Yes. Well, I have, I have a Robert Louis Stevenson collection. Um, and one of those is uh, his book, Edinburgh, that you and I found at a used bookstore in Inverness. And it was that, so it's got that like sentimental attachment, yeah. but also has a very specific smell. It was found at a certain time. Um, but I've also over the years had quite a few books um, <laughs> because I come from a family that does like books. Um, and also we always lived in places with uh, basements that tend to get mildewy where there's been a lot of books over the years that have ended up stinky. Oh, no. Yeah. So, in fact, I was betrayed by your I, friend books. <laughs> one of my uh, a book that I wouldn't say I even I didn't dislike it. It was one of my favorite books in terms of like, oh, this meant the most to me. But um, my grandmother, uh, who was born in 1904, I was, you know, 
uh, I'm not I'm not as old as it sounds like I should be with that <laughs> phrase. Uh, I was once told in school when I said how old my grandmother was, I was told I was wrong. And uh, I was like, no, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Use but, your imagination, Yeah, teacher. exactly. <laughs> um, but she didn't have a lot of books when she was young, but she had um, this series of the Little Colonel books. And the Little Colonel, I think today is really only known because Shirley Temple did one of the the Little Colonel um, books as a movie. Okay. So again, <laughs> dating it. Uh, but I had a copy of it and I read it, but then somehow just that one book got super stinky. And I remember my parents and I trying for years to like do all different sorts of things to try to make it less stinky. Okay. Uh, so anyway, when you say the smell of books, that's what came to my head. Well, that's good. I've never had a, a situation where a book has ended up uh, smelling bad. So it's nice to know that that can happen, that can that happen. danger is lurking. It is lurking. I've also, uh, to my credit, and you should be happy about this, been kind of offered books of like oh i know this is when you're really gonna like but it's a little stinky and i said i would really like it but it's stinky and i can't take that stinky book into our small apartment with me so uh well thank so you there, for that. yeah i don't think any of my books stink but if you think they do by all means <laughs> let me know uh because yeah it's like i said i've been obsessed lately so it's been fun to go through uh, uh some books and reread some old favorites that i haven't read in a long time and find weird things in yeah. them uh, Ooh, yeah. like little notes and things or what you're using as notes. a bookmark? Or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and some of them track, like I reread um, The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, which I had when Twin Peaks was first on the air. I reread it uh, before the Twin Peaks revival, and I didn't remember sticking in there that I had the tickets to Fire Walk With Me in there oh, that I cool. saw in the movie theater. Cool. Um, and then uh, you and I have been uh, rere- rereading some uh, Raymond Chandler, Philip Marlowe novels. Mm -hmm. And I have had for years and years a collection of the first four novels. And I opened it up and there was just like, what the hell is it that fell out at me? And for a moment I was frightened. Uh Uh, But I had pressed a corsage from some dance into a Philip Marlowe book. Oh, that's so funny. And I don't even remember which dance it was from. But I have found like specific notes from like teachers and from uh, friends and, you know, people that I had a crush on or vice versa that were like very powerful when I was in junior high that are in high school that I had associated with this book I was reading at the time for some reason and kind of tied it all together. And I think that's another thing of like, that's the, the power of physical books is that they hold the secrets of the actual story, but sometimes they literally hold secrets. Yeah. Like actual other physical items, notes from the past, previous owners, you know? Yeah, and flowers. I have found books where I'm like, oh, yes, for a while, this was my flower pressing book, and I'll open up and like, a bunch of petals will fall out on me. Um, I want to talk a little bit about where books come from, because uh, I think that's part of our obsession too, and tell me if I'm wrong, but a real love of libraries and bookstores and i think i think sometimes that's what i'm remembering when i'm smelling it is like uh smelling books is like uh really happy times in libraries but even more than that used bookstores Mm -hmm. of like a a good paperback with that good pulpy paper smell mixed with just a little bit of dust but not mildew yes (laughs) you know that's the memory of every used bookstore i've ever walked into Mm -hmm. you know so for you how much of your love of books is going to places where they're they're everywhere where the place is just about books 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 oh i mean i uh, that's certainly part of it i love going to libraries bookstores whether they're new bookstores or used bookstores um or even going to libraries um you know where you're not checking something out like say you're going somewhere and you're at a university and you get to go into the library and libraries themselves um 
can be grand, can be small and cozy. Yeah. One, <coughs> excuse me. One of my favorite smells is um, usually more at libraries than at bookstores, but I think it's a similar smell to like a used bookstore. It's when you get to go back into the stacks Ooh, yeah. and there's just rows and rows and rows and rows of books and there's that dense book smell. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. For you, and you could answer this with libraries or used bookstores or new bookstores. For you, what is the excitement? Is it that it feels like this calm space where everyone is here is kind of paging through adventures and knowledge that they want? Is it almost sort of like, um, for lack of a better term, church-like of like, this is a place to worship what books mean? Mm. Or is it just the excitement of that you'll find something new there what what is it that grabs you i think it's a combination that it feels honestly and take your pick any of the three it feels comfy mm, so yeah um and it also it feels like a place that's comfy but also is um but contains new surprises that is perfect because i have been thinking about this a lot about we talk about lots of dualities in life. And to me, I have just been obsessing on the duality of comfort and adventure Mm -hmm. and how much humans seem to crave both. And so many of what we do in life is trying to find a balance between comfort and adventure. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what is exciting about libraries or bookstores is it is the perfect mixture of comfort and adventure of this is a calm sort of meditative place where People are picking out new exciting stories. So it's like mm-hmm. both at the same time. Yeah. It's it's like an old school version of subscription boxes. <laughs> <laughs> walk into a large you loot crate in, box. <laughs> you know you've got $20 to spend. What will you come out with? Or, you know, you know you've got your library card. Yeah. Man, that, that saying you have $20, I remember going to B. Dalton's uh, in Minnesota with my grandmother mm-hmm. and uh just every time I went to the B. Dalton's, it was just sort of like uh, I craved because there was so much more than I could afford with my little allowance. Yeah. And I remember my grandma just going like, I want this new Daniel Steele book and like pulling out $20 and just buying a Daniel Steele book. And to me, that was like the most amazing thing. And I remember thinking like, is God is my witness. Someday I will be that rich. That I can just suddenly buy a book for twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know exactly what that feels like. Of looking forward to that time when you have the power to bring something home with you. <laughs> yes, you have the book power. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, is a used bookstore more exciting to you than a new bookstore? Oh, difficult question. Exciting in different ways. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I really like about used bookstores, you never quite know what's going to be there. Yeah. Getting back to what we were just talking about, that $20 usually goes a lot farther in a used bookstore than it <laughs> yes. does in a new bookstore. And uh, because a lot of the books that I, over the years, that to me are kind of like the old familiars, but that maybe I did read from a library and so I don't own, are not necessarily books that are actively going to be kept on the shelves, especially in bookstores that need to focus a little bit more on either classics or new books. Right. And so a lot of, or maybe they're books that are out of print. Um, there are some books for, by Anya Seton that have since come back into print, but for years they were out of print. And so to me, I used bookstore. I was like, okay, I'm going to go check and see if any of these books that have been out of print for, at that point, I don't know, 10 years or whatever, if there happens to be a copy of one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love new bookstores mm-hmm. uh, and, and I want to shop at them so they do not die. But 
I think there's something about the used bookstore of that it has all those added adventures of you don't know who owned this book before and that mm-hmm. you might find something, yeah, that that has faded into the mists of time. And for me, it's also just so many positive uh, associations from great used bookstores in the Twin Cities, uh, like in particular Uncle Edgar and Uncle Hugo's. Yeah, People are not from uh, Minneapolis uh, or St. Paul or general Minnesota area. It is a used bookstore that has miraculously survived quite well for decades. It's attached, but uh, one part, Uncle Hugo's, is all science fiction, and the other part, uh, Uncle Edgar's, is all like mystery and suspense and thriller. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's where I got the majority of my James Bond novels because they were hard to find in print at that time. So you had to go to like the special store and yeah, yeah same thing with uh, Raymond Chandler is sometimes hard to find on the actual shelves for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, really fun. Yeah. To yeah. find places that uh, cater to the interests of a young teen mm-hmm. who likes Ian Fleming and Raymond <laughs> Chandler. <laughs> How handy. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about various different books, but I just want to ask the kind of straightforward question from the whole span of your life, from being very young uh, to uh, reading a lot as a young adult to now, do you have a handful of like favorite books that are like defining for you? I mean, I know that that could be the whole podcast where we could both just <laughs> list books for three hours. I do and I don't. Okay. Uh, because I have some that are definitely very defining. I also, I have, um, honestly, like people have comfort food. I have comfort books. Yeah. That are, you know, <laughs> I keep using the Secret Garden example from when I was little, which honestly I haven't read for probably at least a decade. I should read it again. Um, but I have comfort books that I go back to over and over again. Um that aren't necessarily the most defining of me. They're just really comfortable. Or they're, yeah. they're just like, sometimes it's just like, sometimes you just really need mashed potatoes. You know, like sometimes <laughs> like I just form. really need to read um, The Unexpected Mrs. Polifax by Dorothy Gilman. Okay. Which is one of those comfort ones for me, which is also one that is much easier to find in a used bookstore than a new bookstore. In Mrs. Polifax, is that, she's a spy, right? She's a spy. Ooh. She's a white-haired older lady who walks into the CIA and applies to be a spy. Oh, nice. And it's delightful nice. and charming, and she goes all over the world, and the rest are spoilers. <laughs> all right. And then <laughs> y- your other comfort book is Aunt Dimity? Is that I, right? I do turn to Aunt Dimity off. <laughs> I turn, I turn to Aunt Dimity. Yeah. Um, Aunt Dimity, which I, I'm not caught up on the series because I actually I've never read the last uh one or two Mrs. Polifax books too because I sometimes just like to know that there's something still waiting for me. <laughs> um, but that's another one that I I kind of come and go in, but it's very cozy. It's it's generally considered to be within the the cozy mysteries category. Oh, right. Um, like knitting and cat whole, murders and stuff. Yeah. Like Not there's, cats getting murdered, but there's murder <laughs> going on in cats or I don't know, detectives. Anyway. Yeah, like there's always, somebody always dies, but it's interesting. There's always a good recipe and it's, um, there's this delightful <laughs> ghost. Aunt Dimity is a ghost to okay you know writes in a journal and you know it's 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 cool yeah but they've also awesome. also got like good life things uh but one that did make a big difference um to me that i can just think of off the top of my head is um from the mix-up files of mrs basely frankweiler okay which i read i don't know we'll say fifth grade i have no clue okay somewhere around there what is that one about it's about these two kids who um they live in new york city and they run away and they hide in the metropolitan museum of art 
Wow. Yes, you've mentioned this. Yes. Like it affected me. I remember how you had to do a book project once where we had to write another chapter to a favorite book and I wrote another chapter to that. And like that was one that just I think it's so funny now because at the time I had, you know, I've spent a lot of time working in museums, which was not what I was interested in at that point in my life. Yeah. Uh, But it's just it was fascinating kind of how they hid and how they hid from the security guards each night and how they got food and how long they were there. And then. Um, you know, spoiler, but there's a person who's figured out that that's where they are. And so it's just, it's amazing and fantastic. And it was just kind of, um, mind opening to me when I read it at the time. And because of the just, mechanics were like, I can also hide in a department store. I, in museum. Museum, excuse me. Um, in the, they, yeah. And, uh, but then they like, this lady had them come and tell the story because she's the one who had figured it out. I don't know. It, there's just something about it that it just really spoke to, Young Sarah's love of adventure and intrigue and, and mystery. History and old things because yeah. you have on and off basically worked in museums and historic mansions that are in a way preserved as museums. Yeah, but when I was 10 or whatever, I didn't know that's what I was going to do. <laughs> but I'm just saying your life makes a lot of sense. It does. Well done. It does. It's all tracks. You held it all together. Yep. Next I'm going to go uh, find an invisible planet. <laughs> <laughs> With mushrooms on it. Lots and lots of mushrooms. Uh, yeah, I could go on for hours, but uh, just a few things that I sort of discovered. I would say for like books that truly deeply affected me, reading most of Vonnegut's novels when I was about 14, 15, mm. uh, I think really helped shape my view of life of trying to be kind and empathetic while also being very cynical that the world is really messy because humans have problems and when they don't deal with them that those problems become systems and they're bad for people. And mm-hmm. uh, I, in particular, Breakfast of Champions is the which is the book he wrote as a gift to himself when he was 50 years old. Uh-huh. You know, I read when I was 14. And I enjoyed it very much. That's one that's got like weird uh, drawings in it. Yeah. Uh, and I love just the creativity of that of like, what? An author can just do that? Can just draw weird little doodles on the page? Uh, and then I reread it as an adult. And it's the idea of it has stuck with me so much that story is great, but it is dangerous to apply story to everything mm-hmm. because we expect things to have a beginning, a middle, and end, and a happy end. And if you're always just like, oh, looking for the happy end, then that's you're, then you're not being honest about how life works. Yeah. That had a big impact on me uh, when I was a little older. I really got into crime novels and discovered mm-hmm. a lot of cool authors. There's an author named David Goodis uh, who wrote a lot about uh, just kind of gritty crime stuff, but it's very urban and they're very centered in the time that they were written. You know, he was a pulp writer. Um, Dark Passage is a Humphrey Bogart. Uh, movie that was made uh, out of his his work but there's, mm-hmm. just, there's just something about him that was like very electric and urban and made me like want to always live in the city <laughs> even if there was <laughs> maybe gonna be some gangsters trying to get me uh yeah and then I've had the same Ian Fleming James Bond books uh that I read when I was way too young uh, when I first read uh Filet Mignon I thought it was Philip Mignon I let it read it out loud myself that way yeah so I've certainly reread those books. Uh, and then, yeah, and then there's some that just kind of physically mean a lot to me. I've got a bound collection of H.G. Wells novels. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think it was sixth grade, I had, I think it was an optional bonus credit to do a book report. And again, this is something that had been built up to me like book reports. Yeah. That's where I 
am amazing. I'm going to be so good at book reports because I love books. And it was just uh-huh. like, oh, this is going to be up my alley. And uh, I think other kids were doing them on things like that train book, you know, because they were just trying to get out of it. Yeah. You know, they're right. Like, you know, there's a monster at the end of this book. They were doing a book report on that to try to, you know, get around. <laughs> and I was like, fools, I shall do a book report on War of the Worlds. And then we had a form to fill out. And the first question is, what is the main character's name? And War of the Worlds is first person. Right. And they never say their name. Yeah. And I remember just being like, oh, no, I have failed at book reports. (laughs) (laughs) How will I figure this out? Oh, that's horrible. So I still have that book. I think I just, I probably, I don't actually remember how I solved it. I think I probably wrote a little you know, in the little blank space of the main character's name is, I think I probably wrote a little paragraph essay about how it was first <laughs> this person. This is a first like, person book? <laughs> like, you? I? I? Maybe that's probably what I did. Yeah. Honestly, I probably just wrote, it's I. That's how they refer to themselves or me. Yeah. The main character's name is me. Wow. And that book is uh, in our in our bedroom right now. Excellent. Yeah, that H.G. Wells blue faux leather bound book. Um. All right. So I want to get back to you you consume books in lots of different ways uh, on on the uh, the phone and the tablet um, and we've listened to some audiobooks together mm-hmm. like on road trips and that how do you think the format does change the experience for you ooh um yes it to me it does it does change it um if i'm reading on an uh say an electronic book and i can really get into it mm-hmm. it's it's great. I can then I can honestly I feel like I can get into it as much as I can get into a physical book, but I have to be in a space where I can do that. Yeah. Um. I don't know that I always retain things as much. Um. But actually, I'm going to say for me, between um, an electronic book and ebook, <laughs> let's use the lingo, <laughs> and a physical book. For some books, there's certainly some books that it makes a big difference. Like I was trying to read a book about. Um, the history of landscapes on an electronic device and each picture was too big for the tablet. So that did not work. That one will have to be a physical book that I read at the library. Um, but for, for a lot of books that for me, I've, I think I've, it's more about where I'm at. And uh, since I'm, since for me, electronic books are often when I'm on public transportation, I don't want to read a physical book because if I read a physical book, people stop and talk to me about the book. Yes. And I even, I hadn't done it for years. And the other, like a few months ago, I was taking the subway down to down at the dentist, and I had a book I had to finish, um, and it was a physical book because I had to bring it back to the library. And I, so I was like, oh, whatever. It's middle of the day. I'm just going to stand here against the pillar while I'm waiting for the train, and I'm going to read my book. First person who walks by, what's that book you're reading? Ugh. And I was just like, I just glared at them, and then they asked again, and then I answered them, and then proceeded to read my book and hoped they would go away. <laughs> uh, whereas... I'm looking at my phone. Nobody ever asks me. Yeah. Even if it's even if they can see that I'm reading a book, nobody ever asks me. So for me, it's honestly a little bit self-preservation yeah. for why I do the two different types. Right. And because obviously sometimes talking to people in, in public can be exciting. But sometimes you just want to be in your book, in your adventure. Or you don't want it to, you know, somebody who's going to hassle you for some reason. You yes. don't want it to be an invitation. Yes. That is amazing that it is just because people can physically see an object that we have this social contract that you no, I, I don't think there are a lot of fans of people going what you're reading yeah but you can do that i feel like we have a social contract of you can't walk up to somebody on their phone and going what you're looking at on your phone <laughs> right right which thank goodness yeah at least not yet <laughs> at least um. not yet 
So so for me, that's a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, or when I'm traveling, just kind of the weight of books because I am a yes. person who, has, you know, I'm reading four books right now. If I wanted to, I could bring all four books on one device rather than lugging around because I've spent so much, as I'm sure you have and so many people have, you know, I've spent so much of my life lugging around a bag full of books. Yes. The last time I went on tour, I hurt my back because I brought too many books. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, the whole ebook it, it's thing. It's the whole thing. The yeah. revolution. Yeah. yeah. I really love what you're saying about people not that, A, people not bothering you, but also just, I hadn't thought of it from the sort of uh, more romantic perspective of it heightens the I'm in my own little adventure world and nobody even knows. Yeah. Like for all they know, you are looking at social media. You are looking at Reddit. Who knows? Exactly. But instead, you are on a mushroom planet. Exactly. Not Reddit, a nope. mushroom planet. No, nope. I started reading. I, this is when I didn't finish. Uh, Don Quixote finally, because I was like, I've never read this on okay. the train. It's like, I can be wherever I want. I'm going to be going, you know, looking at windmills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So f- for me, I have a harder time with audiobooks and it's, entirely about uh just not having the right time and place to listen to them yeah because when i'm at home i would rather be reading usually because if i'm listening then i'm going to try to do something else and then i'm going to realize i forgot to pay attention yeah uh and i've listened to them there's a few that i've listened to like in the car if i'm driving um but again if it's something i really want to pay a lot of attention to i really should be paying a lot of attention to driving and so um so i just haven't found the right location for listening to audiobooks yeah how about for you because i know you've read read some you know ebooks and audiobooks but i know you are tend to be more of a physical book yeah i think it is i think i only like the ebooks for the convenience but for me uh i will refer back to my rant about touching and smelling them (laughs) that it's just that's a part of it to me of just that physical interaction with the item and i think part of it is an intrinsic value but probably even more of it is it reminds me of reading all through my life and it makes me very happy and feel you know i can feel that extra that that extra happiness yeah you know it's almost like for me the difference between an ebook and a physical book is i like watching television i would rather watch television sitting on a comfy couch mm. i would still see the same story if i just stood in front of the television but it doesn't feel as cozy yeah, and that's what it is for me, and I and I totally understand. Lots of people are different, and some people are audiobook only, and that that's that's all great. I hope your audiobooks smell wonderful. <laughs> uh, how do you? What do you want the future of books to be? And I, I will I'll start. I'll throw out an example. Yeah, because it's exactly about what we're talking about. To me, it would be amazing just in fantasy world if we developed shrinking books, so you could Ooh. own as many physical books as you wanted, and you yeah. just like double tap the cover, and they. Shoop, and they shrunk. And then you could have like, like uh, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp. You could have a suitcase full of a library. That would be awesome. But they would still say, stay actual physical books, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. Like if you you have, your, I mean, because I, I do love libraries and like the walls full of books. Yeah. And, you know, in people's homes. But that's not necessarily uh, practical. Always for everybody. And that's um, still lots of books. And we've run out of space on our, on our bookshelves. <laughs> if we owned um, a mansion that had three libraries, <laughs> we would then run out of room, we right? Would, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I love that idea. I, uh, I guess to not just steal your idea and say, yes, I like that. Uh, I, yeah, and I like just like the little miniature, like, oh, it looks like you've got a little charm on your necklace oh. that's in the shape of a book, but then you can actually at lunchtime just go and, you know, mm-hmm. go, I like the way you smell, and then it opens up. 
I would something. love it if you had to whisper to the book, say, please, <laughs> please, little book. Yeah. It's lunchtime. Would you it's want reading time. Each book to have its own different code that opened it up, or would you want it to be the same one? Oh no, I think each book that would be great if it was if it wasn't <laughs> science but rather magic and like there was a word that maybe you developed with each book, like yeah. your review so far of just like compelling and you had to say yeah. that word or, you know, troubling or whatever word you needed to say i like that i would also want there to be you know like the book plates that many people put in their books Mm -hmm. i would want there to be some master password because just in case you forgot because if you've got (laughs) four thousand books and you've forgotten oh is this one did i leave it as compelling or complexing yeah complexing wait complex (laughs) let's try that word (laughs) uh i would want there to be just a you know an open sesame version yeah oh yeah fair enough is that what you would want it to be Open Sesame? No, but that's uh, the version of what I would want it to I be. I would want my password to be the main character of War of the Worlds is me. And then it opens. <laughs> We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. This is, of course, a section that I do in all the podcasts. But you know, because you basically co-produce the podcast with me, so you, <laughs> you would know that. Anyway, first question is, do you think about books every day? In one form or another, yes. Okay. When you think about books every day, is it more about, because we spent so much time talking about sort of the difference between books as vehicles of stories versus the idea of books and the physical items of books. So what mm-hmm. is it that you're thinking about? I Okay. So every day I'm probably thinking about the content of at least one book. Okay. Yeah. Because you got four going at all times. <laughs> yes. At a minimum. Plus I'm always thinking about which ones I want to read next okay. or have read in the past <laughs> that I want to think about. Yeah. So, uh, so the content wise, definitely I'm always thinking about them. I'm probably not thinking about wanting to smell them every day. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I really uh, did emphasize that. But. You did, but it's great. But I would say um, thinking about books as a physical item because I have this idea of um, I also like handmade books, whether they're, um, you know, being used more as journals or as other things. So in that context where people are actually making like sewing together the paper paper or putting on covers to the books and kind of that uh, bookmaking process of books, I'd say I think about that at least once every other week. Okay. <laughs> you have to put a specific. <laughs> uh, you think about handmade books. Yeah. About every two weeks. At least, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why did you, out of all the uh, the book topics, why are you zeroing in on handmade books? Because if I were to think about the physical books, that is That's often what, you would think what about. I'm thinking about. Okay. See, I think for me, I think about books every day because I, certainly some element of story of something I've read in a book will float through my mind or mm-hmm. a book that I want to read or, you know, making sure I have time to read a book. But I think so much about libraries about physically Mm. seeing books either in our home or wanting to go to a bookstore wanting to go to a library or because we have been watching so many like uh netflix shows about interior design and what you want for your homes i think i have really been thinking about i want a library i want a room that is a library surrounded with books yeah and i visually think about them as being like i want to be surrounded by them the same way you might think about like I want to be surrounded by warm wood. Like, uh, I want to be surrounded yeah. by books. Yeah, that's great. And actually, I probably think about that at least once a week. Okay. <laughs> you... Bookshelves or bookshelf design or <laughs> library. Like, yeah. Okay. Yep, right there with So you, you have a whole schedule of thinking about different <laughs> parts of books. I'm just trying to quantify it for us. Well, that's good. That's the point of this. Uh, has a book ever made you weep? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So is that's a regular occurrence? Um, I... If you ask me what the last one was that made me weep, I 
can't give you a specific answer, but I feel like that is so much of a, of course it has that, um, that I don't even question it. Yeah. Okay. Has it book made you angry enough to stop reading it? Yes. <laughs> you say that like you're <laughs> confessing to a crime. Oh, oh, I, yes. 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 I think I was just getting in the moment of like, I'm so upset with this book. I can't finish it right now. I feel like you've told me about this. Are you willing to say what book or do you? Uh, I would be if I could remember the title right now. I'm blanking on it. It was a Madeline Lengel book. Okay. And I got halfway through it and got so mad with about where the story was going that I put it down for like a year and a half, maybe oh, more. Wow. And then I did eventually pick it up and finish it. And then I think it was a book. I think there was a second book in the series. Okay. Was it, uh, were you mad at it from a sort of, uh, uh, you disagreed with the writing or found fault in the writing? Or was it more you're so invested in the story that you were frustrated with the characters making bad decisions? It was the latter. Or not even about bad decisions, but it was just the direction that it was going. Yeah. And uh, this would be so much better if I could remember what it is. And I feel like I was talking to a friend about this at the time. I think I was in college. And my friend had also put the book down, maybe for like... <laughs> three days on like my little fit for a year. Uh, but they had also gotten, or at least had gotten really mad at the book as well and just kind of, uh, yeah, frustrated with the direction that the, some of the characters were taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever been, I've drifted off from books and I'm mad yeah. at myself about the Ian Rankin books <laughs> because we went to Edinburgh and I picked up the the first Ian Rankin book and I yeah. got really interested in the series. And then I, I was reading all of them and then there was only at the time like two left and I was staying up all night and I was like okay I really need to focus on something and then I stopped midway through a book and I believe that was 10 years ago and then I felt bad that I stopped halfway through and I lost my momentum so now I need to like find a time to pick up and get my momentum back yeah on the Rebus series yeah I didn't realize that you stopped halfway through one of the books I knew you had taken a break from them because you were staying up all night reading them when you I then was, we're not getting sleep. I was, people were like, are you okay? Are you, are you on something? Like, yes, yes, I'm on Scottish detective novels. That's what I'm on. Rebus. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to remember if a book has ever made me weep. They've certainly moved me. They've made me laugh. They've certainly made me feel and empathize. But I don't remember an actual time of weeping. Mm -hmm. Strangely, I remember lots of weeping for comic books. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I cried when a character in the Teen Titans died. Uh-huh. And I also uh, got uh, not just full out crying, but like a, a single tear. Uh, one of the first times I bought a back issue of Teen Titans because yeah. it was the first time I was able to buy a back issue. And it was just sort of the, like the magic of that of like, I thought I'd never have the collection complete. Oh, <laughs> oh like just a, a tear joy. of joy at buying it. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Over a back issue of yeah. comic books. I don't anyway. know if I've ever cried over buying a book oh really i have to think about that okay yeah probably we'll we'll i'm sure uh have some sort of weeping book experience in our <laughs> lives together at some point if you could jump into the world of a book and live inside it would you ever want to do that uh yes yes i'm sure i would but i don't know what book i would choose right now okay just leaping forward to the automatic next question in my mind <laughs> which one um I, I don't know which one, but yeah, absolutely. Especially if I know, knew I could get back out. Okay. If it was like, oh, you go in, but you might be trapped. Yeah. That would take, um, I need to think a little bit yeah. more about that. Lots of books have conflict in there in scary places. So yeah. it would be a scary place to jump into. But I think that there's so many stories that kind of tell that of like a character gets to jump into the world of the book and now you live there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I remember in high school, I really wanted to live in the world of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, interesting. You know, because Arthur Dent was very relatable of just like, I'm just being, you know, pulled along through this experience that is kind of exciting, but mostly frustrating and confusing, which felt like high school. Yeah. And, you know, like, and I kind of felt like, man, I wish I could just blast off into space and be just be pulled out of my reality the way Arthur Dent is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because he's always trying to get agency back. But the actual just like, hey, uh, it wasn't his fault. He didn't decide to go on an adventure. He's just grabbed up. Mm-hmm. And he, he's there now. Yeah. So that, that I think there's something about that that felt like, wouldn't that be cool if that happened? Yeah. <laughs> not that the whole world was destroyed. <laughs> no, not that part as much. But if just like, uh, you know, hey, one of my buddies happened to be an alien. And like, eh, you're in my spaceship now. You, yeah. Now you live in this kind of strange, weird, funny world. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was also safe because it, it, Arthur Dent had lots of bad times, uh, including being stranded back on Earth. But it, it, what, it's not a story of constant mortal danger. Mm-hmm. Like it's tempting to go like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be in the Three Musketeers and die, you know. <laughs> yeah, I want to be in this book where everybody gets the plague. Oopsie. Yeah, I want to yeah. be in It. No, I really don't want to yeah. be in the Stephen King novel It. Yeah, I was just reading a book, um, story, and by just, I mean like a year and a half ago, um, which is, a, I'm not sure, kids, why, middle grade, somewhere in there, uh, called Story Thieves, where one of the people does uh, have the ability to jump into books and another person accidentally gets stranded in books. So I think I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you would rather be stranded in that museum. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After I just, hours. I, I'm not so sure I'm so big on being stranded. I'm finding out about myself right now. Yeah, I, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yep. No stranding. <laughs> this is not the episode of Obsessed about being stranded because nobody's obsessed with that. Or maybe they are. Uh, let me know. Email me if you're obsessed with strand- being stranded somewhere. If aliens visited Earth and you were the first person to greet them, would you ask them to smell a book? Ooh. Um... <laughs> I think on day two. On day two. Yep. Would you greet them with a book to show just like, here's our human knowledge. Here we value uh, words. We value stories and knowledge. You know, it might depend a little bit on what the approach of the alien ship or alien creatures was. Yeah. You know, if it was some version of swords blazing might not be my first thing. (laughs) Just Uh, hold up a book. But if it was kind of that mutual sharing, you know, I'd probably do some sort of like, here, let's go look at a tree first. Uh, (laughs) And then I couldn't go to the book next because then I'd be like, tree becomes a book. And that wouldn't be what I would be trying to do. That would be communicating like, here is what we do. We murder trees. Yeah, yeah. And and we turn them into Outlander. Yeah. There you go. That's not the message I want to convey. Okay. So you would start with a tree, Mm -hmm. then a second object, Mm -hmm. then third a book. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think so. I think second would be like an apple or something. Okay. Fair enough. I think I might pick a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like maybe 1984. (laughs) Just to randomly pick a book. Would you ever want to have a book-themed birthday party? Oh, yeah. (laughs) uh, So you're very excited about that. What would that mean to you if if that was just the assignment? Yeah. We're going to have a birthday party. It's going to be book-themed. What would it be? Ah, I mean, there's so many things because you could have um, you could have a specific book theme. But what I would love is if it's if you just said book theme birthday party and then some people might come as an actual book. Some yeah. people might choose their favorite book. Some people might come as like a printing press or a tree <laughs> or, you know, like ink. I, I mean, that'd be fan. I'm so Pulp. excited right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. OK. A used bookstore. Yeah. Like imagine if you. Yeah. I, this is this is fascinating. Yeah. Yes. 
This is a just a weird, dumb sort of uh, pop art installation I pictured of if everybody had to come wearing a favorite book like around their neck like a necklace. Yeah. And it was just a sort of like like a Halloween party where people don't are in costume, but they're just standing around talking and drinking. <laughs> but like you're just standing around talking and drinking, but everybody's got a book and then it'll be like, oh, who who has what book and why? Yeah. Is it a surprise or does it make perfect sense for that person? Does everybody have the same book? Yeah, such a good conversation starter. Yeah, yeah. Or do you have? Did you have to choose a second choice book? Because do some people have books that they love for themselves but don't necessarily want to talk about with other people? Yeah, especially if it's people they don't know. Or if you are a big ebook reader, would you just come with your iPad? Yeah, be allowable, but you'd have to have the picture up of your book. Oh, I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll talk about it for your next birthday. Sounds good. Uh, If a sentient book was running for president, would you vote for it? I mean, it would depend on the book. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> there are some not great books. What if, uh, well, what book would you vote for? Do you have, mm. it, uh, would you vote for something that is political and didactic uh, like uh, 1984 or Animal Farm? Uh, not either of those, I'm going to think. Uh, for myself, That that's not, um, I guess, you know, like you learn lessons. So it depends on where you are in the book. Um yeah, They're lessons not, of what not to do, yeah. I guess. But it, but that would you, it is the kind of thing where maybe people could get confused and like, yeah, that would be great if we had this totalitarian government. <laughs> I mean, that's my first concern is that that's how it would be uh, interpreted. So yeah. I'm not going to vote for that. I'm not going to vote for The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. What is that book? Oh, the book that for a while we stockpiled to give to all of our friends who had children. <laughs> uh, the book, I Am a Bunny. A- that's a book that made me cry. I Am oh, a Bunny made me cry. Yay! I mean, I shouldn't yay that you're crying, but <laughs> yes, yes. And I actually should mention that as probably the first book I remember, maybe even before I think again. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, uh, for people yeah. who don't know I Am a Bunny, can you describe mm-hmm. I Am a Bunny? Yes. Here's the, imagine yourself. You're sitting somewhere, you're comfy, you're cozy, you want to feel like you're at home. And uh, it's about a bunny. His name is Nicholas. And <laughs> he lives in a tree. It's a kind of a tree stump. He's got a little bedroom area and he explores the seasons. When it rains, he hides under a toadstool. And when there's dandelions, he runs through across. It's a board book. So yeah. it, uh, as in like B-O-A-R-D, like board books. That So it's not long. It's very short. But it's just cozy and wonderful. And it tells you about Nicholas's life. Yeah. And the picture on the cover is him hiding from the rain under the toadstool, right? Is, I, feel, I think it is. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that a lot. Yeah. we've had a lot in our home. And it's the art style is um, so it's Richard Scarry. Yeah, is the author. Um, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I did all of my childhood say scary, so it's always <laughs> what I want to say. Um, but the art style is much more. Um, it is not photorealistic, but it is much more in that style than like a cartoon type of bunny yeah and like the, the flowers have detail to them like botanical details to them right for a bunny that uh lives in a like tree world yeah. it's it's uh, pretty, pretty realistic it it's is. a very realistic depiction of it a bunny is. wearing overalls yeah and you i think i think the first time you showed it to me you had we were going to give it to somebody mm-hmm. and i think this is when we were still dating and i had just been having a very stressful time uh and i think there's something about just like the peacefulness of it and it was like i long for the peace and orderly <laughs> world that nicholas is experiencing of like here i go and do this 
and then I go and do this, mm -hmm. and then I do this, and I just want this. And yeah, Nicholas mm -hmm. broke me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I honestly, I think everybody should. I would consider voting for I am a bunny. Okay. I think everybody should have a copy of it. Yeah, I yeah. am a bunny for president. <laughs> it's a crowded field in 2020, yeah. but I think I am yeah. a bunny. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. If we could buy and live inside an old Barnes and Noble, would you do it? Ooh. Like imagine it had shut down and we were uh, exotic millionaires and we just bought a Barnes and Noble. Does it still have books in it? I well, mean, they it has, probably let, took those with them. Let's say let's say it still has all the shelves, so we okay. could uh, fill it with books. Yeah. So here's where I'm torn because part of me is like, yes, that'd be very interesting. And part of me feels like, would that be sad? Is this a sad place that's been empty for a long time and it would just feel like weird haunted bookstore? Yeah. In which case, no, that's not where I want to live. <laughs> but if it would be like one of these fun multi-story Barnes Noble and we could, you know, add some walls some places so we would have, you know. A bedroom. <laughs> a bathroom that doesn't need an access code. No, it's open floor plan. <laughs> Our house has to be open to the public from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah, no. Okay. No, no, no. I know what you mean. It's yeah. either those kinds of things were like, uh, I think it was on one of the Netflix shows we were watching of Amazing Interiors where somebody had repurposed the bank that they used to work at. Yes. And that was like, it should have been like cold and weird. And that was but fantastic. It was, yes, very homey. I, I think, did they have like a bar in the vault? Yes, they did. Yeah. So that that would be cool if it felt like, well, this is long gone, but yeah. not haunted. This is celebrating the memory of it. Yes, then yes. And then it'd be a way to kind of live inside it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good. It's good to know. Yeah. For, would you? Yeah, I think so. It was the right location. I've always thought it would be kind of fascinating to live in a place that used to have a different purpose. Yeah. And for in some in a purpose that you cared about. Yeah. You know, like I would I would also um, like an old library, not not like big ones, but if it were a smaller, you know, like sometimes little branch libraries are in house like buildings. Oh, yeah. Um, but slightly larger. That, that would be really fun. OK, cool. Good to know. Uh, I will get on becoming an exotic millionaire or if you become an exotic millionaire, yeah. by all means, let me know <laughs> <laughs> so we can make some life decisions. I'll, I'll remember to let you know. <laughs> okay. Would you unfollow someone on social media if they hated libraries and were just complaining about libraries all the time? Um, no. I mean, if they like, if they actively hated libraries and thought that libraries should be banned or something. Uh, but if they're just always saying, God, the library is so dumb. What is even the point of it? Or I went to the library again. It's just dumb in there. It, it would honestly, it would depend on um, why I was following them in the first place. Okay. If I knew them and had a different relationship with them, I would ignore that. I don't spend that much time on social media, so I can ignore things sometimes. <laughs> okay. But um, but if I had been following them because, like, say I, they're at a book fair and I was like, oh, I like their book tweet, but now they're only slamming libraries and there's no other reason for me to follow them, yeah, I would unfollow them. Okay. But so this has more to do with your uh, well-managed social media time than how <laughs> offended you'd be by somebody who was criticizing libraries. Yeah. Okay. So if you decided to spend a lot of time on social media, so that wasn't a factor. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at with this question sometimes is how much do you care about this topic of a love of books in a place that, that really elevates books like libraries? Do you love it so much that you can't be around people who are uh, critiquing that? Um, I, I would have a hard time. Like say I was in a room and two people were loudly having a discussion about why libraries are horrible yeah i would have a real push pull up like okay is this a thing that i want to get involved with because 
I don't tend to put myself in the middle of arguments yeah. if I don't need to, but it is something that I feel passionately about. So I would be more um, inclined to jump into that than I would about a lot of other topics. Yeah. Uh, so that would be a difficult situation for me. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Here's the final how obsessed are you question. If a bear walked into our home and stole the book, the physical book that you're currently reading, would you try to get it back? No. No, I would share. Uh, unless it was like a signed copy that I was, that was very, sen- unless it was something that was sentimental to me. Yeah. Or a book that um, a friend had loaned to me because that happens a lot where people have loaned a book and then I feel the, um, you have the care of the responsibility, responsibility yeah, yeah. of their book. But no, if it was a book, I'm just assuming that the bear wants to read the book and I'm happy to share. So and it's not, I as long as it's not book. signed in limited edition or uh, a friend has loaned it to you. Yeah. Beyond that, you're just like, oh, okay, Bear, you you wanted to read The Scarlet Letter. Okay. You really liked the smell of that book. You're going to go <laughs> sniff it. I can probably acquire another copy of the book, this and that's is, fine. This Sharing. is why we don't have honey-scented books <laughs> at all times. All right. I accept this Bear answer. I, I think the same thing. Uh, yeah? When, yeah, one of my most precious physical objects is my copy of the novelization of The Two Doctors, written by the original screenwriter, Robert Holmes, that was celebrated at the time because it was the 100th of the target novelizations of Doctor Who, and I have it signed by the two doctors in the title, Colin Baker and and Patrick Troughton. If a bear took that, that bear's going down. Yeah. Yeah. But besides that, I'd share. Yeah. Even if it's a friend's book. (laughs) (laughs) It would be a very interesting story to tell a friend. That's true. Look, I'm not a flake. It's just a bear stole your book. <laughs> I took a photo of the bear stealing your book, so you can tell I'm not making it up. I mean, check social yeah. media. It's really, it's getting a ton of retweets, the bear stealing my book. Yeah, you make your a book. good point. I might uh, I might just let the bear have the friend's book, too. <laughs> but that is the kind of thing that gets revealed by these really, really dumb questions. <laughs> you really do care about those kinds of social commitments. Your yeah. commitment to other people is like a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I think a lot of the people over my life who have loaned books to me are people who it's not they're like, oh, whatever, if you read it, if you don't give it back to me or not. But it like they keep track of who they've loaned it to. And you want to make sure you don't, you know, bend the pages or anything. And you want you want to treat it better than you would treat your own books. Yeah. That's how I think about it. <laughs> OK. I want to treat uh, it better. Can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with books? <laughs> I should have thought ahead about this one. Uh so was that uh, a smell or was that just a sound of satisfaction this is very funny uh for those of you who aren't physically in the room that sounded very peaceful i'm sure on the podcast but i could see the consternation on your face like i'm making a peaceful noise but i'm not entirely happy with it yeah no so i was sniffing the book because uh that's been more your thing and now i won't let it go and then i yeah and then it was just kind of the peacefulness of of reading a book um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll stick with that noise. I can't think of a better one. Okay. Do you have one? Yeah. Here's mine. You ready? Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> uh, that, that's That nice. is the sound uh, I am remembering of finding a book that I was looking for when I was a kid. Yeah. Ooh, I Or like a, a teen, or even now as an adult. Yeah, a little, you know a little bit more, but still you can kind of go around and discover things still yeah. even in, in new bookstores, used bookstores. Certainly you can make discoveries. Absolutely. Like, I kind ooh. of... I feel like that when I, so on, because I use the ebook um, for our library, um, with my card, you can do a wish list and you can put way too many titles on your wish list. <laughs> um, and I just use this kind of my bookmark feature. And every time I go past something, I'm like, ooh, 
ooh, oh, I forgot about, ooh, I want to watch, ooh, I want to read, I want to read, ooh, what, ooh. So that's a great noise. All right. Well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right, it is time to rate our obsession level with books on a scale of one to one billion, which is how many (laughs) books I want to own. One to one billion, how obsessed are you? 787,000. Oh, Oh, no, seven billion. 787 million. (laughs) Okay, I did not mean to make it that difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, out of 1 billion, yeah, I'll I'll go 800 million. I'll go a little higher than you. Uh Did I do math right? Uh, Yes. I'll go a little (laughs) higher than you uh, because I think this is one of those uh, uh, things where the obsession fluctuates, and right now it's just really on my mind a Mm -hmm. lot uh, and not just having time to read them, but just thinking a lot about what they mean. I think I've been writing a lot of scripts that involve books as the motivating factor. So I think that's part of this obsession for me is I've been thinking about how much they mean, just like the the symbol of them, the idea of them, along with my own personal, like real world relationship with them right now. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Cool. Uh, This is the plug-in section. So can you tell people where to find you on social media? Yeah, uh, I am on Twitter sometimes, just (laughs) not all the time, as I said. Uh, And there I am at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw, Sarah with no H. And on the old Instagram, uh, where I should post more pictures of books. Yeah. It's mainly flowers and cocktails. Uh, but there I am, Scrim Street, at Scrim, Scrim Street, as in Scrimshaw and then Street. Scrim yeah. Street. At Scrim Street. Excellent. Here are some quick plugs for this here show, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows in comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And then a couple of specific plugs. Uh, I am a writer on the Adult Swim show, Tigtone. It is a bizarre fantasy comedy show. Uh, it is, like I said, it's currently airing Sundays at midnight on Adult Swim. So if you'd like something that's kind of a mashup of uh, He-Man and Dungeons and & Dragons and Legend of Zelda and then just also totally bonkers in its own right on top of that, go check out Tigtone. And since we're talking about books, I realize I should maybe plug the fact that I did write a book. Yes, you should. As per your suggestion. So again, thank you for that. Uh, it is called Comedy of Doom. It is a collection of essays and stories and jokes about uh, just kind of pop culture and my life going through pop culture. And for bonus fun, it was uh, written and then we self-published it in 2012, I believe. That sounds yes, about right. 2012. Yep. So I, I think that it is funny. And now I think it will have an extra layer of funny of how dated is it, (laughs) (laughs) which is the curse of speaking about pop culture in any way, shape or form. Yeah. One you can go back to every, you know, five years to see how dated is it now? Yeah. How dated is it? Yeah. And the next comedy album I put out might just be, I recorded this in 2019. So people (laughs) just always know that's the exact freshness date of it. Anyway, uh, if you're interested, that is available. You can order it as a physical book. Uh, There's an audio book that we recorded. It's got an intro by Bill Corbett. uh, So go check that out. You can order it lots of different places, lots of different ways uh, on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. All right, here are our final questions. If you could fly, but you had to hold an object in your hand to do it, what object would you want to hold? (laughs) I want a book. (laughs) You want a book. Yeah, I should have seen that coming. But (laughs) what book? 
Oh. Yeah, now it's uh, a challenge. Yeah, yeah. I want the wonderful flight to the mushroom planet. <laughs> so then when people see you flying, like, where is she going? And mm-hmm. you just hold it out, like, oh, the mushroom planet. The mushroom planet. She's flying to the mushroom I'm planet. I'm having a wonderful flight. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Nicholas the bunny is hiding under one of the giant <laughs> mushrooms from a rainstorm. If you could shoot one of the following things out of your hands, which would you choose? Bees or whiskey? Whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I should have thought you'd just answer whiskey right away. <laughs> did you even consider bees? I did. <laughs> I did for a, a split moment. Split moment. <laughs> split second. A brief moment. A brief split moment second. Yes. Yes. But then whiskey won out. Yeah. Because As you're a connoisseur of whiskey. And yeah. you're also, now bees, you could use them. You could travel around and say, where are bees needed? Yes. And you could use that productively. But when yes. most people say, would you like the ability to shoot bees out of your hand? That's that's an attack. That's a defense. Mm-hmm. And you you don't get into you don't want to get into any altercation where you need to shoot bees at people. No, and I actually was <laughs> specifically thinking through that in my brief moment. And whiskey is a good distraction. So I could, if I need to make something slippery, I guess I could shoot the whiskey on the ground. But oh, if yeah. somebody just is like, you know, you shoot the whiskey away, like toward a glass that's on the other direction from where you want to go, and somebody will get distracted and go over to the whiskey. <laughs> But yes, if I could shoot bees with also a pollen source and they were honeybees yeah. to help like save the environment, absolutely, I would be honeybee lady. Or I'll come up with a better name. <laughs> I like honeybee lady. Uh, thanks for the new superhero. I will work on that spec script as well. All right. Final question for everyone on the podcast. You have been on the podcast many times and answered this many times, uh, but you can answer it differently this time or exactly the same if you want. Right now to you, what is happiness? Happiness is sitting in a comfortable chair with good lighting, surrounded by bookshelves, reading a book that you're enjoying. That is a really on point answer for this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think uh, uh, happiness is being as content as Nicholas the Bunny. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go read I Am a Bunny right now. Okay. And then uh, I'm going to cry. Is that okay? Just fine. Okay. We have a full evening planned. There we go. Thank you very much for doing the podcast. Thank you. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So I mentioned that there is one book that I've completed so far in 2019, and I wanted to mention it is Art Boss by Kayla Kagan. It is fantastic, and everybody should go check it out.